Hello, everybody. This is David opposing the Matrix. It's the 27th. Oh, I just realized it was my grandfather's birthday today. Uh, he's dead, of course, but um, that's weird. Uh, things like that kind of just flash into your thing. Anyway, 27th of January, uh, 2020. And boy, oh boy, are we going for a lot of rides uh, at this amusement park we call life and uh, American life and world life and political life and everything else. And, of course, our work, walk with the Lord is uh, growing tremendously every day. Even if you don't see it, it is. Um, we got uh, Jim Wilhelmson and uh, Eric Smith here. Hi, fellas. How you doing, buddies? Hi, from Detroit. Doing good. Yeah, we got Eric from uh, beautiful little South Dakota. I shouldn't say little. It's bigger than New Jersey. Uh, yeah, it is bigger than New Jersey. <laughs> quite a bit bigger than New Jersey. <laughs> Everything's bigger than New not as, Jersey. Not as many people, though. Yeah, that's true. And people that oh, I don't want to offend anybody in New Jersey. I shouldn't say that. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> even having from being having come from there, being you know your point of origin, I I'm going to reserve my comments. But uh, I love you guys in New Jersey, um, and if you're from Bergen County, especially, and from East Rutherford, even more. Um, so we were talking today, and uh, and especially about this the coronavirus thing that's going around. And uh, we're going to talk about that today. And uh, uh, questions like, where did it come from? Um, is it manufactured or did it really come from a, a snake from a fish market somewhere in Wuhan? Um, it, you know, precautions. What do we do? What, what if it comes into my area, you know, and uh, what do we do about that? So anyway, but uh, what I wanted to do, and I, we didn't discuss this, Eric, but I wanted to ask you if you've got anything new from, uh, the, from the Q camp. Uh, you know, that's a good question. I, I actually have been so preoccupied with the, um, coronavirus. I haven't paid too much attention to it, to be honest. Yeah. But, um, so I got nothing really to report on that right now. Okay. Well, I know that I, I, I have a Twitter account. I don't know if you guys do, but you know, I, no. I like to go to it a lot and, uh, cause I like to read what Trump says and my goodness, he, he posts probably about 15 or 20, maybe 30 times a day. And I just like to read what he has to say because, I just really like the guy, and I, I love his sarcasm. Um, but uh, anyway, there, there's a couple of guys on there that uh, one of them purports his actual name is John F. Kennedy Jr., and and another one is, um, I can't remember right now, but I think one of them has a picture that looks like an age progression of JFK Jr. If it's not, it's really him, and that's that's really freaky and exciting. And then there's another one that kind of looks like what JFK Jr. would look like if he was my age, because he is, and, uh, you know, with the gray hair and everything. So, uh, but they come out with some really interesting stuff. And, uh, and Erica, you know, you turned us on to Prayer Warrior and X22, I think. And, yeah, uh, Praying Medic. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Praying Medic and X22. And, and they've been posting, uh, some interesting stuff lately. Uh, basically it's, uh, their, their information is, you know, if you're, if you're on the ride now, so make sure that your seats are, Fast and tightly that your uh, your tray tables are up and uh, the captain's ready for, uh, to take off uh, to your next destination. You know, what I mean? and enjoy the show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the big one. Enjoy your show. Enjoy the show because things that you've been waiting for for a long time are going to start happening. And uh, and uh, Mark Taylor too, I think, uh, might have had a couple of new uh, things to say, but I can't really remember right now what they are, so I won't go into that. Uh, but um, anyway. Uh, so we we have uh, might as well jump right into the um, the coronavirus. So why do they call it coronavirus? Because Corona is uh, 
Latin for crown. And if you look at this stupid little bug, it's got uh, little um, spikes around it, just like a crown would. So um, if you're curious about that, and no, <clears throat> if, if there's anybody out there that drinks Corona beer, you can't get it from drinking Corona beer. Okay, that was somebody actually asked that on Facebook. Can you believe that? Oh boy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I couldn't believe it. You know, I just drank a Corona beer. Am I going to get the virus? <laughs> I don't know if he was kidding around or not, but you know, I'm, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and just say that he was trying trying to be sarcastic, and and that's what came out. But uh, anyway, uh, so Eric, you have been following this thing tenaciously. Uh, so why don't you, you know, if you would, just kind of give us a briefing as to uh, what, what, where it started, uh, or what they're saying, and what you think, and um, sure, go go for it. All right. Well, uh, this uh, basically started in Wuhan, China. I think Wuhan has about 11 million people, and um, initially, you know, reports started coming out about people getting sick. And then um, things started escalating um, with people uh, going into hospitals and, you know, lines forming at the hospital and people wearing masks. And then eventually they quarantined the city and then they started having reports of um, uh, other provinces where it was popping up as well. So they ended up quarantining about 56 million people in the multiple cities in China. Uh, I know that Mongolia has uh, closed their borders to China, which, if you think about it, we're talking about Mongolia, right? Right. Wasn't the Mongolians yeah. always wanting to get into China, but now they, now they don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but so they closed their borders off. Hong Kong has closed their borders off. Um, and what they're saying is that this virus uh, originated from a wet market where I, I must be some unsanitary type conditions, I guess, in terms of... Um, well, what is a wet market? Of, well, I think they have all kinds of food there and stuff like that, and meat, but it's not, um, you know, it's not very sanitary, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of, you know, sanitation and cleaning, clean up and all that, like it is here. But to be honest yeah, I don't really buy that as the example uh, or as the origin of it. Um, supposedly there is a biological weapons type lab in that city of Wuhan and somehow this thing either got out, which I'm assuming that got out by mistake, uh, though, you know, this is China, so I don't know, you know, how they necessarily feel about their own people. Um, so maybe they're, they're okay with it being released. I, 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 I like to think that that's not true. Um, and that this was gotten out by mistake. But anyways, um, the way this thing is behaving, um, it's it, it definitely appears not to be a man-made. Or excuse me, it does does appear to be man-made type of virus. You know, not something that actually occurs out in the wild, like something that has been modified right. and is mutating. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the... Uh, the problem is, is this is kind of their the Chinese New Year, so right. people are traveling. Uh-huh. Well, it's already right. too late because they've already already been traveling, so they didn't close their borders close, you know, soon enough. Right. So this is already spread. It's in the United States now. It's in the UK. Um, I think it's shown up in 
Canada as well. Um, and, you know, it's definitely starting to spread. But the big issue is what is being reported in terms of overall numbers. Um, you know, they're trying to say that, you know, only there's only 4,000, you know, or so cases as, as today and, you know, 106 people have died. But the problem is it's it's the social media type videos that are leaking out right. of of there that are really kind of disturbing, showing the hospitals, showing the dead in the hallway, showing the dead people dropping dead in the streets from it. Uh-huh. Um, doctors that are dying, <clears throat> even though they seem to have, you know, protective gear on. Right. So um, doctors that are actually being murdered um, for speaking out. Oh, I didn't know that. See, that's a new oh, thing yeah. I didn't hear about. Yep. See, yep. The other, the other they, thing they, I'm wondering is the demographics. It would be interesting to see that, you know, there's massive amount of protesting against the government and pro-democracy, uh, pro-America. Yeah. So you wonder, you know, could this be a concentrated area? Are these no. people being... When you look at all the provinces that are involved, it looks, it's now kind of widespread. This, I, My understanding is that that was a more of a poorer section of people, not, not really ones that would be too involved necessarily in politics or anything well but, the problem is that if, if they intentionally released it why would they release it in, in the time that all most of the chinese people they travel around and mostly right and mostly and and this is where it's been affected most because of the shared chinese new year with most of the other asian countries that's right. where they went mm-hmm. yeah and so and that's what's being affected first so some people have said well they always come to america more than they do anywhere else how come it isn't shown up yet no not in this situation they're more connected with the asian countries where they all share the same holiday right. it's like christmas within right. all the english yeah. uh, christian nations you know same right. kind of thing now, so, if I have this. I have this correct. I think it's the year of the rat. Yeah, I think so. Yes, yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. Which we know that you know. <laughs> yeah. When we think of like the, I think it was the bubonic plague. Like I hear that. rat. Yeah, that's the first I thing mean, I think of. It. What is the coincidence plague. of that? Right. So, right. Um, I suspect that this is a biological weapon that they had been working on. That by maybe they accidentally leaked it out. It got out somehow. Um, yeah, maybe Chinese, they were planning on using it on us at some point, but now it looks like, in my opinion, it's going to end up having an effect on their own country and also spreading across the world. Um, well, you know, if you, if, if you look at people like Kathy O'Brien, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but it's okay. um, she said that, and, and we, I think we all know, and listeners do too, that <clears> the, the elites do not mind taking each other out if they think that oh, yeah. uh, if well, they think that they can benefit from it. So the Chinese, you know, if uh, if it started in China and they know people travel all over during the, during this yeah. time of year, uh, they they're not going to mind sacrifice. I mean, we're talking communists here, right? You know, yeah. And I was going to mention that that you know the communists don't mind sacrificing their own people if it means taking out their enemy as well. Um, not you know, not to say there isn't good Chinese people or not. You know, sure. we know that there are, but they'll gladly kill their own people. We know that. Yeah. Um. You know, the biggest thing is they're trying to evacuate. Well, they have been evacuating. You know, like for example, U.S. US citizens out of there, and as well as other countries eva- evacuating their people out. Right. The problem is, is they should have shut the borders long time ago 
they sh- we should have just cut off air travel right away. Yeah. And, you know, they're using these, you know, these scanners or whatever to take people's tempest or getting off the plane and stuff. That's not going to work. Yeah. Because this thing can incub- incubate yep. in someone 14 one days. to 14 days without yeah. any symptoms whatsoever. And they can yep. be spreading it through the incubation period. So it's already spread. That's right. I, you know, not that I'm trying to scare anybody, but it's. No, but if doctors, like you said, if doctors there are, you know, in suits yeah. and everything are still getting well, contaminated. Part, they don't part of the problem is, is here they were wearing the suits and the, the mask. But I think at some point, I think they weren't wearing eye protection. Oh, oh yeah. Just have a yeah. Precaution. So the tear, yeah. Tear right. Ducts. So it got in like, like someone got ducts. got to the yeah. tear ducts through conjunctivitis yep. and then got it that way as well. So this can get in the eyes as well and get it that way. So, mm-hmm. um, but it's just eerie to look at the pictures and the videos of basically no one on the streets. You don't, you don't quarantine 56 million people unless you've got a real big problem. So the, the, the numbers of people that are infected and the disease of the deaths what is actually being officially reported, no one's buying that. Right. And more and more of the media is not buying that, even though the CDC itself is trying to still downplay this. They're they're continuing to downplay this, and I maybe they're just trying to buy themselves time. You know, uh-huh. but the reality is, is I think I just watched, I listened to one guy that was talking about this thing um, on one of the news sources, uh, and he said that, um, <laughs> you know, they had asked, well, is this going to die out once it gets warm, warmed up, like, you know, the flu season? And the guy was all stammering, stuttering, and basically yeah. said, no, it's going to keep going. It's yeah. going to pump up once yeah. everything and, else is, yeah. Right. You get so, insects You get insects around, you know, mosquitoes transferring, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just so many different ways that it, more that would be an increase. Well, they were talking to a virologist <laughs> in Hong Kong of all places, and he's one of the guys that um, that had originally uh, discovered or had uh, researched uh, SARS because this is similar to SARS, but they say it's not right. SARS. But um, he said, you know, I usually don't get um, frightened by things like this. He says, but I'm frightened. You know, and yeah, you're a I, virologist I can see, say that. <laughs> I can see the fear in most of their eyes. Uh, even as they keep on talking about this more and more, even uh, I think uh, I just was listening to Nigel Farage. He was the guy that led the uh, um, the Britons to the Brexit. He's uh-huh. the one that initially started that campaign. Right. Eventually voted to the referendum on Brexit. Um, pretty well known in the UK. But they were talking about this, and he has he's got multiple sources of people from Hong Kong that confirmed the the very fact that. They are literally scared out of their scared out of their mind. Um, right. What's going on? There's no one on the streets. They closed off the borders. Um, this thing is contagious. Um, you know, I don't know what. I've seen multiple reports of fatality rates of this thing. Right. Um, I know that Stephen Quayle had something posted. Whether it's accurate or not, you know, as the audience take it at face value. Um, but they said, you know, anybody that's exposed to it has an 83% chance of being infected and a 15% mortality rate uh, right. of death from it. Mm-hmm. I read that. And like I said, it, it, yeah, it seems, you know, the people that get picked off the easiest, it seems people with weaker immune systems or have underlying health problems, they're the ones that die the, the quickest. Um, you know, you know, definitely older people, but for sure. But I'm sure it's targeting younger people as well. Um, 
but it, even I've had reports of healthy people in the 20 to 40s that are getting picked off, you know. Mm-hmm. So, well, you know, there's a lot of people out there that think they're well and they're not just because their their sickness hasn't manifested yet. Um, <clears throat> you know, there there are people out there with heart conditions that haven't had heart attacks yet, um, yeah. and they're and they're ticking time bombs, you know, and, and um, yeah, that's what happened to me. Yeah, and 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 no. you know, so if, if you have that and you're unaware of it and you come down with this thing, you know, it it could possibly take you out. Now, you know, we got to well, remember too that with with us, the three of us, and a lot of our listening audience and stuff, we're believers in in Jesus, and and He takes care of His own. So, um, not saying that Christians won't die from this if it, if they catch it, but uh, that you know, we we do. He has a purpose for our lives, and if it's our time, it is. If not, He's going to keep us going. Like he's kept yeah. him going. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and here's the thing, guys. I mean, and you guys are telling me that you had the same things. I think about two and a half, three months ago, this might have already hit us. And we're uh-huh. just starting to, to see, you know, it's it's more coming to fruition or that maybe it was still in a, a metamorphic stage of not fully being, you know. Um, yeah, I think we're I think we're about up. five to six weeks in. Yeah, uh, that's what I think. You know, I mean, per- it, it, personally, but. We've had my whole family. We have had all of the symptoms that they're talking about. I've got it. I know I've got something and I'm not able to shake it. With me, it's more like SARS. It's more of an upper respiratory thing. Yeah. But hey, you know, um, Dave, you're a survivor of N, uh, uh, the swine flu, S1, N1, D1 H1N1. or whatever. H1N1. H1N1. Yeah. yeah. Um, me, I was, uh, H1N3 or 4 or something like that. You know, I, yeah. I, I well, it. So, I had kind of some strange symptoms over the last two weeks that I couldn't explain. And, you know, it could have been something else, but I, uh, had been just extremely fatigued for about two weeks. Mm-hmm. Really, I, no other symptoms other than that. I would sleep all night and then, you know, uh, especially the weekends, I, I, I take a couple hour nap, which is, kind of unheard of for me um but then every once in a while i, I would get a little flush mm-hmm. but you know i tell my wife you know I, I feel warm but then it would it would just go away on its own was it a warm and it would be like, like that in the face eric just in the yep. face and no yep so yeah mm-hmm. now that i could be just fighting off some type of infection or something not saying that it's anything related to this but it was that way for about two weeks no nothing else no other sickness i was fine Nothing, just that, and then now, now I'm fine today. So, very strange in my opinion. I I don't quite understand it. Um, but wow. again, it it almost sounds like it possibly I was sweating off some kind of infection or mild inf- infection of some kind. But right, right. Anyways, wow, that's amazing. So yeah, so um, you know. As the day goes, each day goes on, I see the news slowly turning and and getting more serious about this right. every day as every day goes on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm sure they're not trying to create a panic, I guess. No, they're trying all. to pre- pre- prevent it and also... You know how this can affect uh, even the stock market. It's starting to affect the stock market now. Well, that's the other thing. They don't. That's why they don't want to cut off. You know, uh, you know, travel and trade and all this stuff because it'll it'll it has the ability to really affect the economies of the world. Yeah. But the problem is, is what what is the cost? I mean, 
Were you willing to sacrifice everybody just for that? Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. guess maybe some people would be, but yeah. you can only do that so long until the people that buy the products are dead. You know, well, you know, maybe, thought, that doesn't work either. Maybe it's a good thing that it takes so long here in the U.S. anyway to get stuff from China because you well, order something I, like on eBay and it takes you two weeks to get it. So if, if I do, you know, go ahead. I was going to say if it's on something, it'll go away. It'll die before it gets here. Go ahead. I do, I do wonder, um, what was I going to say? I, I do wonder, you know, they had just passed that trade deal with China mm-hmm. when this all started to break out. And I just, I hate to say it, but it almost, it almost feels like retaliation. But it's possible. It's not out but of the boy, possibility. It'd be one heck of a retaliation to, to kill your own people. Um, like you said, they're they're not above doing that. But the one thing that that they probably they have a huge disconnect with the global elite because of the banking system. The global sure. elite works moves through functions through that. China, like North Korea, have nothing to do with the international banking system. Mm. They're they're completely outside of it. But their tactics, their you know lack of morals, are just about equal. So they're willing to you know. Yeah. Kill their population to promote their agenda. Um, well, they got 1.4 billion people. So, but yeah. again, I don't. <sighs> I really think that's what Trump uh, was able to make a connection with um, um, Jung Ong uh, was because he could convince him that he wasn't part of this international banking system, that he wasn't connected with the rich elite. Right. And uh, so, even though he's a scoundrel. They yep. had that in common that they're both against this global elite trying to take over everything and, and have their agenda. So, right. you know, that that is, you know, a part of it. But the other thing is just you look at the timing and everything, and this is not really to China's benefit if they are part of the good old buddy system of the global elite. This would be a, not the best time to be doing that when they're trying to negotiate uh, trade uh, restrictions, sanctions with uh, with the United States. Now they're dealing with um Trump and not Obama, um, when they're still haggling on some other um, political issues uh, of control and power and everything. And, you know, Trump is not one that's going to back down. Um, You know, so it's I don't think they're doing, you know, I think it was an accident. And now they're trying to, you know, they're trying to backpedal the best they can. They know they're going to be liable, you know, for everything. Um, Right. So. The least amount of damage they can do, I'm sure they're going to be forthwith in coming. The thing is, like you said, though, it was it was developed by them, so they probably already got the cure. I, of course, you know, you never know. I mean, um, yeah, I don't know. United States, we develop stuff, but we get the cure right away. We already have the answer to the question because we created the problem, but we got to make sure that we got the answer to the problem too. Um, well, but then again, could it be, then could, it be a, could it be a money making deal? Well, you know, you know, it could it could be on all of those levels. We we living we are living in Pinocchio world where nothing, uh, you know, only God, through God's grace and mercy do we even be able to survive through this crazy, you know, bizarre world. Um, you know, there's so many designs of the enemy against us. Um, they're even taking on. 
you know, shades of gray to confuse us with everything. Matter of fact, maybe next week's topic might be the secret space program. I think I really am trying to bring on a person to where we can address all of that. And this guy's been researching it since the early 70s. Wow. Um, he's cool. not too well known, but I'll tell you what, this guy has been around. What I impresses me about him, he understands everything from a deeper spiritual perspective. Uh, way of looking at things yeah. yeah perspective where a lot of the so-called um watchmen they're collecting data and information and that's good but when it comes back to relating it to the deeper spiritual truths i think a lot of them are missing the point they're they're not seeing that part where um this guy does he sees it well pretty much like we see it and uh, he sees the deeper truths and so i think he's going to be a real good um interesting person that we can bring on now I, I, as i'm doing the show he's asking me a question i had to finally tell him look I, i'm on i'm doing a show live right now so i'll talk to you <laughs> talk to you 11 30 i can't talk to you right now <laughs> so uh, I, he's agreed he has agreed he'll he wants to come on the program so that'll be cool yeah but, you know uh, uh, talking about you know the elites and stuff if china is not part of the the world banking system and we know that during the last days the final last days that is that the, uh, the all the world will worship the beast, so he's going to have some access to the whole world, um, and financially also. So maybe this is a way to uh, for the elites to show the Chinese, hey, you know, if we can't get you one into the uh, let's say the World Bank or whatever that you want to call it, uh, one way we can get you in another way, you know, and yeah. if we, ha- if we have to kill off half your population for you to do it. Well, that's yeah. another th- that's another theory here is. Um that it didn't come out of the the you know the the lab in Wuhan that it actually someone had mentioned that the coronavirus itself is actually patented by the US really and i think and then has a connection to actually bill gates yes i, I was going to bring that up that bill gates and they ran and they ran a simulation about you know it would kill 65 million people you know mm-hmm. so why why are they you know Bill Gates funded uh, the company and pretty much like burst the company through financial support of a company that is the company that did the yeah. uh, original testing and everything. So it, yeah. it, there's a definite potential um, connection where that virus was created by us. We probably do have the cure and it's. Well. It was, you know, it's so it's not really China's. The other thing I heard, and this is gross, though, it's uh, there's a bat soup that the Chinese eat. Usually it's the lower income people that, that eat this bat soup. And it's made out of the bat where the, you know, where the swine flu, the bat and the pig, you know, right. combination uh, made this last one. So um, it could be there could be a connection there, but still it's. It's, uh, I, still, I still think some of this stuff is is either yes. taken and then amplified through modification right. to be wor- well, worse than what it, you know. It wasn't a normal creation. It it crept into the environment. So how did it creep in? Maybe it was this bat soup. Maybe it was, you know, something else. But it did creep in. That's the bottom line. It crept in. It got out. Made a mess. Now, one movie I would highly suggest to anybody if we have any. I, I don't have you checked the. Yeah, we got somebody. Register? Yeah, there's somebody here. Just one person. Okay, for cool. Sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, the, the thing is, if you can get the movie Contagion, it was made in 2011. 
um, major Hollywood thing. Lawrence Fishburne plays one of the uh, CDC uh, scientists. So it's a major, you know, Hollywood production. It was made in uh, 2017, Contagion, Contagion. And this movie is the written script for everything that we're seeing right now. And whether you want to believe there's a connection or not, the thing is the movie is still worth looking at. It's uh, if you have Prime, uh, Amazon Prime, you can get it there. It's a rental. Even if you have Amazon Prime, you can only rent it if you have Amazon Prime, and it's like two dollars and ninety nine cents to rent right. it to watch right. it. It's well worth it because not only does it show you the script of how everything is happening exactly how it's happening right now. But it gives you all the practical, common sense things to do and not to do. And it shows you especially <clears throat> the behavior of people. Mm-hmm. And I don't care. Honest, dedicated people, when they are denied something that's going to save their family and themselves, they're going to do whatever they can to get it. And so when the limit of uh, the amount of serums are there in, in distribution centers, then all of a sudden everybody starts preying on everybody else, stealing their stuff. Right, rioting. Um, it goes to looting, you know, in homes. If that's going to be their last thing, then they're going to grab whatever they can to, you know, survive however they can. It just goes into crazy town like in a matter of days. Right. People panic. People get are without hope and they just panic and go crazy. So these are the warnings that in this fictional movie, you get to see really insightful how fast things can go from normal and common to twilight zone and weird yeah. uh, out of everyday normal people well, and you know, we were talking earlier jim um about uh before we came on the air and it was awful i i don't believe in coincidences and i know you guys don't either but um <clears throat> you know for i don't know what 10 or 20 years uh they had something over in west africa called the ebola virus yeah right and yep. um yep. Oh yeah. Oh, we'll never find a cure for it. You know, it's it's you know scientists are trying, but you know it's impossible. And uh, then one day, uh, I, I think it was two or three, maybe four Americans went over there to to try to help, and they came down with it, and they were brought back to the United States, and again with a lot of protests too. Um, you know, bringing that into the United States, but um, they were hospitalized, and then all of a sudden we find out that they have a vaccine for it. You know, and it's like, okay, well, I know that, um, uh, you know, being in medicine and stuff like that, that when you or in in anything to that matter, um, if you if you make something, you have you have a way to unmake it. If you build something, you have a way to unbuild it and stuff like that. And um, it's awful curious to me that now we've had AIDS going around for what, since the 1980s and. and really, there's no cure for it. There are, there are some drugs that work really well with it, um, but there's no cure. And then there's other diseases like that. There's there's uh, there's no inoculations really for for syphilis or any of the venereal diseases. There yes, there are cures for them, but there's no way to prevent you from getting them. Um, but but to have something like Ebola, I mean, and that's a wicked disease, man. It makes you basically bleed to death inside, you know, and 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 from everywhere else. But um, it, uh, you know, it, I find it awful funny that, you know, all these exotic diseases are, are, are coming onto the scene and have been for the last 20 or 30 years, or well, maybe since the 80s or late 70s. And, uh, and you know, they, they don't have a cure for it, but you send three noted uh, uh, American scientists or 
what am I trying to say, virologist or whatever over to uh, West Africa, they come back with it and bam, there's a cure. So um, I have no doubt that this thing, if there's a cure for it, that they're, um, they're only going to use it on, on special people, people that they think is important. You know, people like you and me, we'll, we'll never, never see the, um, the antigen for it or whatever. Um, so it, it just strikes me as kind of strange that, uh, um, and we got some, uh, some person, uh, and I'm just going to use their initials. I, I don't know if they want me to use their name. Um, their initials are AW and they're, they're, they're in the chat room and they said, I watched Contagion the night before last. The movie seems as if it may be happening in China, just like in the movie. Strange. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's really not. I mean, you know, Hollywood is a propaganda machine and it will project, um, you know, a lot of their plans ahead of time right? before they're actually doing it. Exactly. So yep. for anybody that really thinks that Hollywood is just a pure, uh, purely entertainment. for entertainment, it's really not. It's for yeah. programming. It's programming. <laughs> and conditioning. To, yep. Conditioning, indoctrination uh, into concepts and, and part beliefs. Of quantum, part of quantum physics. They have to speak these things out before they do it. That's yeah, what it's makes an, it feel. Yeah, it's an occult practice. Yep. Yep, it certainly is. Um, and, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and, and copying God. As God spoke things into existence, there's a real physics to this, and that's what quantum physics begins to address and understand. Once you understand quantum physics, you understand how God created a physics or a structure of how he spoke everything into existence. But now just because we can understand what he did doesn't mean that we can take control and power over that. He's still God. <laughs> we can we can understand how he does something. That doesn't mean that we're going to have control over it. And it doesn't mean that if we understand it, that he loses control over it. He's still in power. He's still in control. Um, he allows us to understand these things in the last days. Why? Because this is all being used as a weapon against us, against our faith, against our relationship with our Lord. So God's obviously going to let his people know who are willing to hear, willing to listen, so they can impart that to everyone else. Don't be tricked. Don't be fooled. Okay, some of this is real. Most of it's not. Here's what is. Here's what isn't. Got it in my word. It's all there. Chapter, text, and verse. Just pray. I'll show you. But that's where, you know, they got to go through imperfect filters. So we don't get everything all right all the time. But the other thing is to an imperfect people that are fallen and frail and afraid of the truth. Too many people are afraid of hearing the truth. And that's why you don't hear the truth. You're not going to get all these wonderful, amazing things, uh, uh, life changing, world changing things. If you're not even believing them to be delivered from your own personal uh, things. When you can have the intimate relationship and can believe God, then you can learn how to live day by day through him and let him direct your steps. But if he's not going to give you the answers to the things of the world when you're not willing to let him direct your steps in your own personal life. You can't expect that you're going to get the bigger picture. You won't. So it's right. got to start with ourselves. Sometimes we don't move on our own selves. So sometimes he'll shake our life up a little bit. So we'll be more dependent on him. Mm -hmm. And it just, you know, people don't understand the relational as opposed to the, um, you know, just the letter of the law, letter of the word. It's got to be deeper. Yeah. You know, one thing I, I would like to, to caution people about, too, since we're talking about faith is, um, you know, let's take 9-11, for example. OK, uh, you know, it was reported that uh, I don't know how many were um, Fanatic Muslims climbed into airplanes and crashed into the Twin Towers and brought them down. And that's what started uh, 
started the ball rolling basically with security and and uh, the war against terror. Um, but I remember back then, and you guys probably do too, that uh, there were certain there were innocent people that were basically beat up. Sometimes they were knifed and some and killed or shot. Um, and those are the Sikhs, and and uh, Sikhs are not Islamic. They're they're more right. Hindus than they are Islamic. Mm-hmm. And just because they weren't wearing headdress, they were they were persecuted for that. And uh, I think for the most part, you know, even though there still is a bias uh, against them, um, I think that uh, that that is mostly ended, and people know that uh, Sikhs are not Islamic. But um, even myself, the other day we were um, no a while back, and we were on an airplane flying back, and uh, there was a nice people. They were uh, an Asian couple, an older Asian couple, maybe our age or around our age. They were sitting in front of us. Well, I didn't think anything about it, and then this whole thing in China started, and I'm, you know, and then thinking about airplanes and how they recirculate the air, you know, and I'm, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm letting this go. I'm letting myself go with this, and then I'm, I had, I'm glad that the Lord got me and said, you know, slapped me a couple times and said, wait, think about what you're doing. But anyway, I'm like, okay, well, they, they were Asian, you know, and maybe they're Chinese, and maybe they had that. It's, you know, and it was passed on to the people at the plane. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're doing the same thing that the people did to the Sikhs, you know. And yeah. <laughs> uh, there, there are a variety of different Asian cultures, Asian people and stuff like that, that, um, you know, they, just because somebody has the appearance that they might be Chinese doesn't mean they are. Or, you know, maybe they were just an American couple that were, you know, traveling. I don't know. I didn't really speak to the guy. They were speaking in Chinese, but, you know, that doesn't mean anything nowadays. He could still be uh, American born. Uh, maybe his wife was was Chinese or whatever, but it doesn't matter. But um you know, we can't judge people by the, by the way they look and think that, you know, that and it's been, believe me, coming from a from a culture where we've been persecuted for the last 2000 years because of who we were. You know, every time a disease happened, it was the Jews, you know, back in early during the early church. You know, um, yep. if a fire went through a town, you know, the Christians started it, you know, then um, <clears throat> there's always a bias against. Uh, it seems it's always a religious bias, too, against uh, uh you know, Christians, Jews, Sikhs, um, we, we tend to, to, to have J, uh, or what did I say, um, rose, not rose color, but uh, blinders on. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, mm-hmm. and we don't really examine what we're thinking when, so I just don't want people to go out and say, oh, you know, <clears throat> you know, it's the Chinese that did it and, and go out and start seeking out Chinese people or people of Chinese extract and start persecuting them because this thing started in China. And if it's something that we started over there, Definitely, I don't want that to happen. You know, well, I don't want it to happen anyway, but that would definitely be a um, uh, a worse sin if there are if there is such a thing uh, than you know just doing it the other way. So, <clears throat> you know, my, I would urge people that you know if this thing does become a, a pandemic, um, it's just a, an epidemic in certain areas right now. But if it does become pandemic and goes around the whole world, let's not think that uh, just because a person looks like they might be from China that they brought it over or that they, uh, or if it comes out that this was something that came out of a lab that, you know, it was because they had it in a lab and it got out and, and the rest of the world's being suffering because what a few ignorant people did in a lab over there, you know? Uh, so I think it's important that we keep that in mind and, and in retrospect, remember what's happened in the past uh, when, when a group of people or a person or whatever have been judged because of their race, creed or color, you know, um, I think that's very important. And, um, well, I'll that's a good point, Dave. That. That's a very good point. 
Exactly. Yeah. And the thing is, you know how you know how regret. I mean, if you had a disease and you didn't know you were spreading it to other people, how are you going to feel after you did find out that you did? You're going to be, you know, if you have any kind of compassion at all, you're going to be pretty broken. Last thing you need is somebody coming up and acting like you were a human bomb deliberately doing something. I mean, you got to look at the look at the deeper dimensions that's what i mean you know being a christian we have the mind of christ we have his spirit in us he's going to give us compassion for others my gosh he wants us to love our enemies for pete's sakes not not even just that so here's a person who's been an innocent victim themselves and maybe they passed something on but they certainly didn't plan on it they weren't it was not of their um her own making. So they're already pretty upset by it. So why do you want to add to their upsetting? Wouldn't you want to just minister some healing and, and encouragement to that person? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you think about how you would react and this guy's probably no different than you. Exactly. And, and, uh, why do you want to kick someone when they're already down? So it was, you know, it just, uh, um, that's where love always wins out. That's where compassion, mercy, um, grace, comes in you want grace you know be graceful to others or you're not going to get the grace yourself he says he resists the proud and gives grace to the humble well humble for me then has to be a choice not an emotion mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. it's going to be a choice of man i need all the grace i can get so i better be humble all i can be and let the lord do the leading not in my own understanding right and uh it makes a difference this is so this is survival this is the key survival through all of this Mm-hmm. Don't respond by emotion. Respond by the word of God. Be right. the Jesus that that they need to see. Mm-hmm. You know, so you think, would Jesus call this person a fag? No, he wouldn't. They're going right. to, you know, and I'm just using that as one excuse. Is it going to, Jesus going to get down on this person because they had a disease and transferred it to somebody else? No. He's going to try to encourage them and don't feel bad. Um, lift them up and make them feel and see that they're just as much of a victim. And it, if there is something wrong that they did wrong, you give them the you give them the information that can heal and restore them, not destroy them. Exactly. God's not into destroying people. He's into uplifting, even in our sins. My gosh, I mean, we can do something blind, dead, stupid, dumb, and maybe we even willfully did it. And then when we realize that it all backfired on us and we go, oh god what did, why did you do this how can and then he shows us well i didn't you did it and this is what you failed but hey this is how we can get out of it right and that's that's the wonderful thing he always has a way out for us we need to always have a way out for others love them as you know and treat them the way we want to be treated well that this is the way we want to be treated. We want to know that there's still hope, even though I'm I'm a self-centered, narcissistic little creep. There's hope that I could change. There's hope that there's a way out. Thank you, Lord, for giving me that hope. Thank you for the way out. That's the way we got to be with everybody else. It's not a choice. It's a, you know, if you want to be treated that way, then that's the way you've got to treat others. That's right. So that's the emotional survival that, you know what? I don't hear a whole lot of people telling people that. That's what we need to be instructed in more than anything else. You know, forget the politics, uh, forget the black and white issues of <clears throat> of right and wrong. Quit blaming and pointing fingers at others. Have the compassion of love to have respect for others and to make a way, graceful way out for them, mm-hmm. no matter how creepy they are, no matter what nasty thing they might have done. 
in that while we yet where we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And man, I know you guys got testimonies. We all got testimonies of stuff, some of the stupid, crazy, dumb things we did before we were um, even saved. And yet God has always been there with us all our lives, trying to show us, trying to steer us. It's just that we're not born again. We're not looking for it. We don't see it. Sometimes we get a clue of it. And I think when you get saved, then that's when the Lord shows you and reminds you. Remember, remember, well, this is what I tried to do for you. This is what I helped here. This is why you are where you are today. You listened. You paid attention. I was protecting you. That's yeah. what we got to sometimes look back and think back to. But, you know, other things, guys, I mean, we should probably get into this. I don't, okay, we still got lots of time. But, oh, I mean, yeah, tons of time. Um, the thing is, like, in your own personal lifestyle, and like I was telling you guys before we went into the program, you know, that um, I know some people, friends of mine, who live such a busy life, active in ministry or just even in their life, especially with having young kids or grandkids and, and big families. So they're trying to spread themselves out. So part of the reduction is that they hardly keep anything in the refrigerator and they go out to eat almost all the time. Now, I guess when you have a real job, not just on living on Social Security, you can do that. I, I know sometimes there were times when I did that myself. I liked cooking, and I actually enjoy eating my own cooking. So uh, for me, it, when I had to do it now as a matter of survival, it's not that bad. But you know what? Sometimes I only need one or two meals a day because I'm too lazy to just make anything for me. It's right. easier just not to eat at all. But so many of us center some of our social activities and everything about meeting at a restaurant and having something to eat. Man, we're talking about pandemic here. The last thing you want to do. During a pandemic, during a threat, don't eat in any public place. Now, you're not going to hear this from the news, from doctors, from press, from anything, because they don't want the economy falling apart. Right. And they don't want to treat all the restaurateurs as if, you know, I mean, they're going to have that anyway. But if you've got, this is where you got to do your own thinking and own logical deductions. Public assemblies of any type during a pandemic, but especially when you're going to eat food, no, stop it. Don't do it. It's like putting a gun up to your head. And playing Russian roulette, right. two bullets, you know, two bullets are loaded chambers and the rest are, aren't. But you know what? <laughs> you could get that one. Why gamble your life? Why gamble your family's life, your friend's life? Quit going to public places and eating, even fast food places. No place. Stop it. You right. have to stop it if you really are serious about trying to prevent it from a physical uh, way. Christians, you can say, you know, I, I'm, I have faith. I'm going to just pray and, and I'm going to be okay. Our faith, I mean, if God says to do that, by all means, do it. And you're covered and go with it. But you better check with God first, okay? You're going to try to make this a general rule. Oh, well, I prayed. It's okay. The God's going to come in. Um, he might be telling you, stop, don't, stop, don't. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. He's running things. He's going to run your life different than he's going to run my life. And that's why it's got to be a personal relationship. So what he does for me may not be how he's going to do it for you. So you got to check in a personal relationship. Mm -hmm. Lord, is this for me? The, the same with anything in our lives. It's we're not cookie cutter Christians. We're so unique. We're snowflakes in that way. Everyone's different. God knows this. And he so he deals with us differently, too. This is where we have to uh, not look at just <clears throat> what people, what God is doing in this person or not doing in their life. What is he doing in my life? That's what I need to know. So, um, but just in a common sense level, don't 
you know, in public anymore. Stop doing that. You'll be a little bit safer. Right. Now, there's times you got decisions or something. And then, yeah, I think if there's something important, what do I mean by important? There's somebody that's despondent. You take them for a cup of coffee. Um, in that element, you're being a servant to someone else. So, you know, there's there's a little grace there because you're not doing this because I want to do it. You're doing it because I want to help this person. And I need to help this person, like um, going into a hospital and visiting somebody who's who's dying of, of the stuff. If the Lord told me to do it, I well, remember, Dave, and one time uh, when I had my store in Roswell, because of the name of my place was alternate realities. Some people were confusing it and thinking it was alternative realities. Yeah. And so I've got a lot of gays and, and uh, lesbians that came into my place. Hey, you know what? They need Jesus, too. I don't care. I don't care who you are, where you come from. Y'all need Jesus. So let me tell you about him. I had a man dying of uh, AIDS. He came in because he just um, just was trying to he was on a quest to try to sort out his life. He was told that because he was gay, he was going to hell. There was no chance, no hope for him. And yet he was, a you know, a Christian at one time, but he lost his faith and got into this and and. Uh, so he come in and he told me his story. And I said, boy, have I got good news for you. I thank God that you came in here today. As long as you're breathing, you got a chance and there is hope. Right. And uh, and I told him that, that that all that teaching was wrong teaching. Um, you know, you're not automatically going to hell. God loves you. That's why he sent you here today. And then the Lord told me, you know, this guy's dying of AIDS, right? The Lord told me, go over and hug him. He needs to know that you have no fear. Hug him. You'll be, you'll be okay. That's what I did. Right. Oh, the guy with AIDS. But you know what? In the right conditions and everything, I didn't have any problem. Now, if I just go and hug everybody, see, God's problem. Look at it. Look at yeah, I mean, come on, man. No, that's – we're not into three-ring circus uh, stuff. Right. Have no fear, but be a servant with a servant's heart. Then you're covered. Mm-hmm. That's right. And until, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe you work in a hospital until you end up dying. But if that's what your calling was and you – accomplished all that God has for you and it's your time to go, then you're going to go. If it's not your time to go, you're not going. I don't care what anybody says. That's you right. got to believe and, and how, how you know whether you, your time's up or not, stay connected to the Lord. He'll let you know. He'll tell you. Yeah, he will. Exactly. exactly. Man, didn't, wasn't he talking to you when you, you faced life and death situations before Dave, he told you, don't give up. I'm not done with you yet. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> but, but at but the same time, at the same time, Jim, I, I also had the attitude, well, my life is really in his hands, and whatever he decides to do with it, I'm just going to say, okay, you know, it's your life, not mine. So, you know, <clears throat> but I, you're right. I never did give up. I always pressed forward, um, but with the knowledge that, you know, it, uh, it, it could be, you know, it could be against what my flesh wants, but my spirit understands what he wants, so. Uh, not my will, Lord, but yours be done was basically my, my attitude in that situation. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, when I went to my friend's um, prophecy teaching, um, now he knew me. He knew different things about me and everything. But there was two women there, African-American women there that I, I never knew. And they never knew me. And I never met them. And they never met me before. And uh, he was giving a class like a, dy- a dynamics class not only were we going to learn about this okay guys get up now somebody get in the center now you're going to look at each person and and pray in in the spirit and then ask the lord what he has for you for them 
and I'm going on a switch like on and off. Are you kidding me? I didn't know that we could do that. And so I, I, I was a guy that jumped in the center. And so I had to do this. And so this woman looked at me and she says, um, she says, you, you've had a rough year and this is, you've been attacked mentally, spiritually, and physically, but especially physically. Mm-hmm. The enemy hasn't messed with your head. The enemy hasn't messed with your faith, but he certainly has messed with your body. He says, she says, God's not done with you. Don't worry about it. He is going to heal full restoration so you'll be strong to be able to do what he has called you to do. Okay. Man. Whoa. I mean, I don't know, but that was a big faith builder for me because she didn't know me from Adam and she didn't, you know, how did, well, because God knew and this is what I needed to be encouraged. And, uh, so I figured, you know, well, that's good, you know, cause my cardiologist who got saved from my testimony, um, he told me last year, he said, Jim, the one thing I can tell you is if, unless God gives you new veins, you will not be alive in 10 years. You've got five years at best, and you may not even have that. It depends on how you live with your diet. This is the first time I've ever shared this. I've shared it with you guys, but I never shared it with the public on an open air. You need to hear this. Um, so basically, I said, well, five years, probably that's about all it's going to take, because I think the, the cock is hitting the fan very soon. So, uh, you know, uh, that'll be long enough to do whatever thing that I believe that God told me that I needed to do. Right. But then... I had an operation on the same day that one of my friends had an operation and he's been a faithful servant of the Lord 40 some years. I led him to the Lord, you know, 40 years ago back in the bike ministry. He's been a, uh, an ordained minister working at four different areas of, of service and everybody just knew Kevin was going to live right up to the end because he's a, a hard fought warrior, faithful, never backslid, never did anything to depart himself from the Lord. Always a humble servant, just, an awesome guy. We both had the same, on the same day, we both had the same operation of having stents put in our heart. I lived. He didn't. Wow. He went home to be with Jesus. It shook every, all of us up in the King's Kids, the ex, you know, bike ministry I had, because we were just so certain. I even, I asked Kevin all the different questions. Well, have you gone back? Have you, yep, yep, yep. I'm okay, man. You got all the right answers. I, you know, maybe you're, you know, this is cool. Now, he had already fought cancer and, and on the most part, won. Mm-hmm. But his heart, the stints, they didn't work. Right. He died on the, on the operating table. But you know what? I went to his funeral and his wife, and I mean, you almost feel guilty because this was not a woe is us um, thing without hope. The testimonies of everybody getting up and what they remembered about him. I mean, it, this was like, gosh, I hope I can be like him. I hope people are going to talk to me that way. I mean, it was, it was uplifting. We knew that it was his time. And he heard the one thing we all want to hear. Well done, not good and faithful servant. Enter into my joy. You know, it was his time. So it's, it was a shake up, wake up for all of us, I think. And maybe that's one of the biggest purposes why he went because this was a major turning point for a lot of people that used to be a part of his life in the bike ministry and all the other ministries that he ended up affecting. Um, We know where we're going and that's a guarantee. We just don't know when we're going. That's not a guarantee. It made all of us start redeeming our time a whole lot more. And it was Kevin. It was almost like the cry of Kevin. 
this was a wake up for, I, I would have to say at least 150 people that, oh my gosh, you know, if Kevin could go, we don't, I better quit goofing around. I better quit playing around with this. I, I got to, man, I, I may not have any time left either. So it, it did. It shook everybody into being more serious, myself included. Mm-hmm. So you never, you know, I mean, God runs heaven, not us. But so my wake up call in, in is supporting my friend was that I realized, you mean, Lord, I can turn the switch on to this gift. I can turn the switch on. I've always waited for you to just enter into it. And God was graceful. I would usually, especially during counseling or anything, I would get into that God mode. It would be God's throwing, flowing through me. But to realize that I could flip the switch anytime I want, that's got a whole new sense of power for me in, in witnessing and, and everything. And I think that's, I've been praying, Lord, take me to the next level. What's the next level? Well, here it is. Only through serving and being concerned for someone else, I got the answer what I prayed for. This is the answer. I didn't know that I could turn the switch on and off myself. Mm -hmm. Wow. Whoa. No, I mean, that's powerful. Okay. Oh, that's the next step. Well, be darned. And I got it because I was just going to support my friend. And, you know, and even then, this guy should should have had an audience of uh, 150, 200 people the first time. He had six people. Wow. Six people. But six people that got a lot out of it and six people that are going back and sharing their play. I'm going back to, uh, and I already talked to Pastor Steve at, uh, I said, man, this is something he's got that the guys and, and especially the meeting that we have with mostly our supporters. They want to support something that most of them are gifted in this area. That's, they need to go see, uh, Brian and, and see his seminars. This is iron sharpening iron. And I know, um, the next meeting has, we're going to need a lot of chairs and a lot more tables. I, I just know there's going to be a big uh, outpouring once they see and know what's going on there. Right. So it's just cool. I mean, iron sharpens iron. We need each other. And, uh, oh, and two of the people that came there that night yeah, were, t- were two of them that were directly involved with that little group that I had on a Friday night group that ended up kidnapping me and putting me into a, um, oh, what would you call that? Uh, oh yeah. Inter- the, in- yeah, the intervention uh, yeah. goofball. Mm-hmm. And you know what happened? Nothing difficult. The guy said to me, he says, Jim, we keep running it. I keep running into you. I said God, I, and I'm not taking this lightly. There's still work that we're somehow connected. He was at a loss for words, mm-hmm. and and he looked at me and he says, so I'm really glad that you're here tonight. So I went up and hugged him. And I said, you know what? I am too. This could be the beginning of something good. We set aside doctrines that we think are important to ourselves and learn that we're, you and me both, we're all ready to die for the same Jesus that we love. And we're willing to do whatever it takes to have others know of his love. That that's all we need, man. And that's where we got to get to is this kind of unity. Yeah. So that was cool, man. I mean, it was, I, it was not what I was expecting. And when I told Brian ahead of time, I said, well, you know, they were part of that group. I said, let's pray right now and just believe God that, you know, things are going to go well. Well, they went more than well. They went to healing because, man, that's it. You know, we got to we got to get together ourselves as Christians. We got to be in unity with ourselves. All your pet doctrines, all your pet things. If, you know, I mean, there's some things we can't divide on. Right. I mean, you know, if you think Jesus was an alien from the Pleiades um, and he was just a, a good alien teaching us uh, nice stuff. 
then I guess there's something of an irreconcilable differences. But Definitely. if we believe the same Jesus died and rose again and sacrificed his life for us by his shed blood to bring us into a relational ship with him through the Holy Spirit to the plans of God the Father. And you know what? Um, uh, even in that, I'm saying that in a Trinity thing. Even if you think up in heaven, there's going to be, um, you know, this old white bearded guy and then Jesus sitting next to him and then a little dove in between or whether you see just Jesus. doesn't matter. We don't know. And our perceptions can be different. Um, what matters is we're going to know when we stand before him face to face. So are you going to see three separate entities or one? It doesn't matter. We are still willing to serve him and follow him. A matter of perception of how we see him is we're not going to know until we're standing in front of him. So let it go. Let's work together. Let's love one another, respect each other. And by that love, the world is going to know that Jesus is real. We start keep bashing each other, demonizing each other, dividing ourselves through denominations and other man-made crap. We're, we're never going to be in a position of being useful. That's why when I had that dream about the pandemic, and I had a dream, and this is what, what I saw in this dream. <clears throat> Chicago came to Detroit. It was addressing Detroit, almost like a spirit of Chicago was addressing, you know, Detroit and saying, we are the policymakers for this country. It's our influence that steers and guides everything. So what makes you so special? Then New York says to Detroit, we set the trends for the entire world. We make it uh, them follow us. By billions of people. What makes you so special? What they were addressing, what was so special is when this pandemic hit, hundreds of thousands died in Chicago. Millions died in New York. Hardly anyone died in Detroit. Because in Detroit, people were unified. People were not running into the race baiting things. God had been preparing Detroit for, I would say, essentially probably decades that none of us ever saw. But especially in the last 10 years, and then especially even more so the last five years, all of a sudden, everything has broken down, and people have reconciled each other, not pointing fingers. You whites left Detroit and abandoned, and everything went crazy. Well, we left, and you let it go crazy. Nobody's pointing fingers at each other. They're saying, look, things are in shambles. Let's work together. Let's not point fingers. Let's just work together and let God get the glory. Let's Let's make this work. So whether it be through race, ethnicity, um, doctrine, denomination, um, we're working together truly as a body united by Christ through love, not through man-made, you know, uh, you know, there's another unity going on. And that's where, you know, let's reconcile to the Catholic Church like Kenneth Copeland's doing and and other major, you know, Christian figures are saying that we need to all come back under. You know, that's crazy. That's that's Looney Tunes stuff that we read in the Bible, the great falling away, the apostasy and everything. You know, that's that is a different one. That is Satan's counterfeit. The real one is led of God's spirit because all of a sudden people come in unity. But they're what has bound them by unity is God's love through the Holy Spirit, healing, restoring, and being full of grace and mercy. Right. That is the real thing. That's why 
We are ready. We're uniting already together as teams, going through uh, class status, denominational status, race, ethnicity. We're working as teams, starting to lay hands on people, starting to believe for the next level of places where we can be the church that it says in the Bible that the latter rain will be far exceeding the former rain. Now, when the former rain could walk through a street and their shadow kicked out demons just by walking by, I don't know about you, but the only thing my shadow does is remove light and makes it dark. So until that happens, I guess I'm not quite ready, but we are getting there. We're heading towards a direction, and unity by the Spirit is the beginning of it. Judgment begins first at the house of God. When we start getting it right, then everything else can start happening right. So that's why we went through a crazy year last year. That's why a lot of you have experienced the same thing. Everybody is serious about wanting to follow the Lord has gone through some craziness. They may not personally suffered a lot, but they still have gone through some craziness that they never had to necessarily go through before. That's because the enemy's trying to get us off track. He knows his time is very short. He knows that everything's coming down. But then he's he's playing a trick where he's going to flip the switch and thinks he's got the grandest trick alive around. It's going to deceive everybody. No. If it were possible, the very elect would be saved. Well, that means we're going to be temporarily set back. But you know what? We got the spirit of ever and truth. We have the spirit of, of love, and love's going to overcome everything. Ain't going to work. I already cheated. I looked at the back of the book, Revelation 19th chapter. You lose, we win. No problem. Right. Right. So anyways, I'm done preaching, but I mean, well, that is, you know, that is what we have to do is, is we got to take care of the practical things. But we got to always, like an actor, um, find out what is our motivation. Right. Am I doing this to further the kingdom of God no matter what I do? Mm-hmm. Whether I get recognition or not, it doesn't matter. My only recognition in each one of us has to be we want to hear those words, well done, now good and faithful servant. Right. So what does this serving mean? You know, I mean when I when I gave up everything and moved to Roswell, I my first job was delivering a newspaper because I couldn't do anything else. And my second job was uh being a janitor at a um Christian professing I will say a Christian professing uh, daycare nursery. Would, I wonder how many other people would be willing to do that to get a starting point. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's not exactly, you know, I've got four or five different occupations tucked under my belt, um, a degree in, in formal education and in theology and all that stuff. You know, if I had the attitude, well, I'm, you know, I'm not going to do that. That's just... You know, that's a way step down. Oh, humility. Yeah. Well, I'll start when, there. When the disciples were arguing about who is going to be greatest, Jesus said, the greatest among you will be servant, servant to the least. Yeah. You know, and, you know, and, and by the, in four years, by the time I left, I ended up being a, a roughneck maintenance welder for a Escadilla oil, Roswell oil company. I remember that. How the heck did that ever happen? And I was a, uh, manager supervisor in the bus plant that was over there um you know heading off um and leading an entire department and i chose a department they wanted me to go in this other department but they had a guy there was fully capable of running everything but this other department was weak and they didn't have anybody there that really knew what they were doing and that was an area that i could fill in the gap better so i i told my management that i said i know you want me here but this guy's good man he's taking care of you but you don't have anybody over here and you need somebody that knows what to do and how to do it and that's me so i should go here so 
as far as status, it was less, but it was an, a gap filling that I could do that I know I could do them more, you know, uh, good there than anywhere else. Plus be a good testimony for the Lord. So, I mean, I left in just four years. I went from janitor, paper newsboy, <laughs> paper boy janitor to, to, um, these other two jobs. And, you know, that was, oh, and then the one delivering the mail to border town, Texas, uh, in Mexico where again, God put me in the right place at the right time to see the right thing. So, um, being there, I know why we need a wall. I was there when it first started happening, when all these illegals were coming over and they weren't the people, the pictures, uh, press is trying to paint men. Most of these were MJ 12, uh, gang, gang bangers who had a, a function and a person to come over here. And through every major city, they were going to take over from the drug gangs and take over the neighborhoods. <clears throat> so, I mean, Romans 8:28, it's real. Right. All things come together for good when we agree with God. Mm-hmm. And that's all, it, that's all it takes. Just agree with God. Okay. What are you agreeing with? Well, to get out of the way so he can do through you what you're not capable of doing yourself. And when you let him do it through you, then you get into the supernatural. Mm-hmm. That's when you get all the weird stuff and the good stuff and the cool stuff. Right. But to be supernatural, you got to have some supernatural challenge that's going to take the supernatural to do it. Mm-hmm. So don't pray that prayer and then think you're going to have a normal, quiet little, um, um, what house in the, uh, little house on the prairie life. Right. You're, you're, you're going to be in that storm and Jesus is going to say, get out of the boat. It's okay. Ah, don't worry about gravity. I got you covered. Mm-hmm. I, um, we were, we were talking about earlier and you brought up a lot of, well, you've, everything you brought up is really good, but, um, we were talking about, uh, you know, going out to eat, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, that applies to hepatitis A too, because all you need is one person that's in the kitchen with hepatitis A and you're going to affect oh, yeah. thousands of people. Um, yeah. but there are some precautions that, that people can take with this. Now I, I work in a hospital and one of the things I do, and it, it's really weird because I was coming down with just about everything that everybody had there, you know? And then I started thinking, I touch a lot of surfaces, you know, and I, I try to wash my hands as much as I can, you know, which, which is a lot more than, than just about everybody listening here. You know, it's kind of a fanatical thing with me because I don't want to get sick. I hate being sick. Um, but I noticed, you know, I was touching handrails, going down the stairs, touching the doors and everything else. And there was sick people there, um, physically sick. And, um, <clears throat> so what I learned is, uh, when I open doors, if it's got a, you know, push thing, I use uh, my arm with my coat on or whatever, you know, uh, I never use my hands. Um, if I go into a restroom, oh, you wouldn't believe the procedures that, you know, the correct hand washing is, you know, um, you know, it would take me a half hour to describe it. So I'm not going to, but washing the hands is very important, but touching things afterwards, you know, uh, can, can, uh, Get rid of everything that you did with your hand washing. So you got to be real careful when you're when you're exiting a restroom or whatever. But um, the first thing is not to put yourself in places like you said that where you can catch it. The second thing is that if you've got it, wait till it's over before you go out anywhere because <laughs> you know you're not going to want to spread it. Now, Jim, we grew up with our our parents were um, were deathly afraid and rightly so of polio because a lot of people caught it. Um, right. What they would do is uh, my mom explained to me when she was a, a kid and polio was going around because that was about the time of Franklin Roosevelt when he caught it and stuff. And 
Um, so what they did is uh, if somebody in the family caught polio, gave out polio, they quarantined the whole house. Nobody left that house <clears throat> until the, the infection was gone and the person that had it, hopefully nobody else got it. But there would be signs on the door, quarantine, you know. Now, there are people out there these days, okay, well, you know, I have freedom. You can't do that. Yes, you do have freedom, but you don't have the freedom or the right, I should say, to infect other people. So if you're sick, for goodness sake, stay home. I, you know, we, we have kids. You know, you've got kids and grandkids. Your kids are all grown. Mine are, too. Um, but the grandkids go to school. And there's always people that send their kids to school sick, you know. Um, frankly, I think that that should be a misdemeanor, <laughs> but, uh, you know, cause you can't really tell when, when a kid is over it, you know, usually it's a couple of days after the fever is, is, is gone away. is when people think it's safe to go in, but you see kids going to school and they're sniffing and sneezing and everything else. And, you know, if they still got that, then they're probably still contagious. And the same thing with adults too. Oh, I can go to work today. I feel better. You know, um, I think it was, um, uh, Jeez, where was it? Probably about six months ago. Someone came to work on, on the swing shift and said, everybody stay away from me. I'm still sick. And I'm like, well, that's kind of dumb because you're going to be touching the keyboards. You're going to be touching the door handles and everything else. And and plus, you're going to get the patient sick. And a couple of them did come down with it, you know. Um, so if you're sick, stay home, for goodness sakes, you know. Um, if, if there's people that are sick around you, you know, remember uh, if – Anybody here watched MASH, but they used to wear the masks when they would, they would go into surgery. Those masks are worthless. Um, that is not a, a mask that's going to keep anything away from you. Um, if you've ever painted a house and you wear that, that one little mask that goes over your nose and mouth, that's a better mask. Um, in many cases, you got to look for something that's called an N95 mask. And I think it's supposed to keep out... Uh, uh, down to 0.3 microns in diameter, it will filter them out. Um, however, uh, I guess the SARS virus, when it was going around, was 0.1 micron, which means that it probably could get through one of those masks. But, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, as they always used to say. Um, so better to, better to have a mask that might catch, you know, 99% of them than nothing. Um, right. Anyway, um, and I can't stress more about hand washing. <laughs> um, and the correct way to wash your hands if you're caring for somebody or if you've been around or to think you've been around it, or even if you go to the bathroom and, and you exit the bathroom, is, uh, is to uh, use soap and water, warm water, as warm as you can stand, um, and scrub your hands. And I'm not just talking about going over them the top, the bottom, and rinse, but in between the fingers, up maybe a, a quarter of the way up the arm, um, and scrub it for 20 seconds, and then you've got to rinse off with a clean towel. Don't use a dirty towel. Um, and then it's always a wise idea after you do that to, uh, uh, when the water's still running, to take a clean paper towel and shut off the the, the, the water because, you know, the person before you might not have done that, and the, the, the uh, handles could be contaminated. Uh, so you turn the, the water off, and then you get another clean towel after your hands are dry to open up the bathroom door. Uh, cause that's dirty too, right? Uh, yeah, you gotta cover yeah, so your hand for that. <laughs> yeah, so everything 20, you did is just, you, you just undid it as soon as you put your hand on that handle. <laughs> exactly. So 20 exactly. seconds is not a lot of time, you know? No. You can even make a game out of it, you know? Uh, um, so, uh, 
it's got to be known that uh, SARS, SARS and the coronavirus are not the same thing. Um, it's uh, what are they calling this? 2019 uh, N uh, Corona five or V? I think. Yeah, which is actually it's actually a little bit of a combination of the symptoms and uh, functions of uh, the H one and and uh, SARS combined because they're both they're acting a little bit like both. So they don't really know yet completely. Uh, or at least the Chinese don't. Maybe others do, but they don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now there's no cure, okay? Um, there's no vaccine, okay? Um, do disinfectants kill the coronavirus? The answer is yes. Um, and if you don't have, a, you don't know what to do, you can take uh, some water and uh, just add a tablespoon of bleach to it, to a quart actually of water, and you can go around with a rag and that and. Do all the hand, you know, the, anything a hand touches, anything that might have been sneezed on and stuff like that, that will kill a virus. Um, so just simple little things like that. You know, um, it was funny because, uh, well, not actually funny, but uh, peculiarly, I mean, um, I think it was during one of the plagues in Europe, uh, they noticed that, uh, you know, people were coming down with it like there was no tomorrow, but the Jews weren't coming down with it. And what was different? Well, Jewish culture, you got to wash your hands all the time, especially before you eat, you know, and stuff like that. So, and of course, it was attributed to them that they were causing the plague and it started a, a persecution and a pogrom all over Europe. Um, you know, they were poisoning wells and stuff like that. But no, they were yep. just washing their hands. And because they washed their hands all the time, um, they always talk about not touching mucous membranes after you've touched something. What is the mucous membrane? Well, it's anything in the mouth. Think about it. You know, everybody's got... Quit picking your nose. Yeah, quit picking (laughs) your nose. Do not touch your eyes. Your eyes are are also very susceptible. And those are really the three places you really have to be concerned with. I know that it's it's the weirdest thing. If I know that something's going around, it's it's almost like a psychological thing. I, I, I have this urge to scratch my eyes or to rub my eyes. You know, and I constantly have to <laughs> try not to do that. And, yeah. you know, I'm tired a lot of times. So, you know, you rub your eyes when you're tired. Don't do that. <laughs> Let's listen to that um, that thing by uh, – there's a, a, a funny little thing online um, by um, Bob Newhart where, um, you know, a woman comes in and sees him about problems like he's a psychologist again or never was, but like he was on TV. And uh, every time she says she's got problems and does something, he goes, don't do that. <laughs> you know, every time I say that, I think of that. But uh, so, you know, if it makes you think about it, don't do that. Um, so anyway, there, there are precautions and there's, there's common sense things to do. You know, if you know that people are if you're going to a household where people are sick, don't go there. <laughs> you know, we have telephones. So if you have if you have Apple or, or uh, I forgot what the other kind of phone is. Um, Help me, Eric. Android. Android, okay. Uh, mm-hmm. There's programs on both of those that where you can chat with people and actually see them. So you can be uh, a continent away or a half a world away and still see people. And So you don't necessarily have to go see them if you're sick, okay, <laughs> or they're sick. Um, excuse me. Unless you are um, directed by the Lord to go take care of them or they're part of your family, then, you know, that's a whole different story. But... I mean, if that happens, then take all those precautions that I talked about. Um, I found that, uh, you know, if you're married, you have a natural tendency to want to 
you know, kiss your spouse goodnight. If they're sick, don't do that. Um, and if you think it's even wise enough, you know, sleep in a different bed. You know, sleep in down in an easy chair if you got one or or whatever on a couch, you know, just so that you're not exposed to it. And uh, after they've had it for a number of days, then it won't be a problem anymore. I, I know that our um, the way our, our system is set up in uh, our e- our economy here at my house, uh, you know, work is very important and, and missing it um, is not a good thing uh, because it really reduces the paycheck a lot. So, you know, you have to take precautions. If you want to still work, you have to stay away from this stuff. So, um, but if you have to take care of somebody, you can uh, <clears throat> go to a medical supply store. You can pick up what's called throwaway gowns. Uh, they're kind of a pain in the rear end to wear, but, you know, getting sick is more of a pain in the rear end. Um, and you know, you can, uh, put a, uh, you know, those, uh, goggles we used to wear, Jim, we were grinding, you know, yeah. uh, the, yep. the plastic ones that totally cover your eyes. Uh, that's good eye protection because if yes, it's droplets it and it gets in your eyes, you're, you're, you know, you're going to get it. Um, and a mask. So if you cover your nose, your mouth and your eyes and, and have gloves on your hands, of course, and you can pick up, uh, a set of gloves, a box of gloves for a song. And I always like to get a size bigger than what I wear, um, which is really hard because I, you know, wear, should wear extra large, but I have to get two X's at work. So, but um, just cover everything you possibly can. And when you take these things <laughs> off, remember that these things have this stuff on it. So you know, you want to take your gown off first, then you want to take your mask off and remove it um, using the straps from the back. You know, don't just grab the front of it and take it off. Um, and then the gloves come last, and uh, you know, take one glove off and take and use that glove, the inside of it, to take the other glove off and throw everything out. Um, and they'll go rummaging through the garbage after you do all these things because you will have erased everything that you just did. Yeah. Um, so anyway, you know, that's that's basically the things that we do at work. I mean, when people get the flu, I, I, I don't take the flu vaccine. I don't believe in it. I I believe it's got mercury in it, and, um, and I believe it's something that they're using to make us sicker. So uh, I have to mask anyway. Uh, we have one case of the flu on the unit. I have to go get a mask and wear it. But I would rather do that than uh, than put that stuff in my body. But that's just me, okay? Um, but uh, just just be really careful. Use common sense. If somebody touched it, don't touch it. If somebody sneezed on it, don't touch it. If, if you're around somebody, make sure you're about 20 feet away from them, I would say. that That's my comfort zone, you know. Um, when they sneeze, you know, you wouldn't believe how fast, uh, how fast you exhale when you sneeze or cough. Uh, and it can go pretty far. So, um, you know, just a little words of, uh, advice for those, uh, you know, since this thing seems like it might be getting out of hand pretty soon. Um, and we like our audience and, uh, and everybody actually, we love everybody and we don't want to see any of you succumb to these, this and, um, we want to see everybody nice and healthy and everything. And, and this thing, you know, they're talking about, oh, well, you know, once this gets started, you can't stop it. Well, yeah, you can by using common sense, <clears throat> you know, uh, the things that I just said. Read up on it. Uh, go to the, well, I don't usually send people to government sites, but, um, you know, the CDC and, and look up how to prevent uh, getting SARS, not SARS, um, coronavirus or, or SARS for that matter. Um you know, and you get these little tips that you have and uh, keep some bleach in the house. You can make bleach water and clean things. And 
um, and, and stuff like that. And, and I think everybody will come through just fine. Like and like you said, you know, we both had the that uh, I had the H1N1 when it went when it came around, and and I got to tell you, the Lord must have really been with uh, me and, and my my first wife because we both got it, but it wasn't a very bad virus. You know, it was not, and we both of us were kind of compromised with our health, especially her, you know, mm. and we got sick. Yes, we did. You know, we were down for a couple of days, but it was nothing like the press was saying. So um, it, it is possible that the press is hyperinflating this. I don't know. Um, but uh, do your own research and find out, you know, there are plenty of websites you can go to to find out what's actually going on. Uh, Eric has been keeping us in a loop about that where this is concerned, you know. Right. Uh, we've been yep. getting um, texts and stuff or messages uh, almost on a daily basis from Eric that's keeping us very informed on it. So, you know, it's very easy to, yeah, to keep it up, Eric, because I really appreciate it, man. Yeah. No, no problem. Definitely. It's uh, I've learned more from him that <clears throat> and it keeps me from having to go online and look for it. So thanks. Eric. Well, that's the thing. I'm looking, for, I'm, I'm looking for so much other stuff. I can't do it all. So. Right. It helps when you got Eric's that's staying on top of Q and everything. That's cool. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and other things, you know, that are, are things to consider, too, is um, Wilkerson had said that, you know, and, and I think all of these things are interrelated. They're all cause and effect one to the other, like dominoes falling. The other one was that uh, there would be uh, the economic collapse. But the, the, the idea and this is where the movie Contagion will give you an insight on this, too. If if the serum ends up being shortened, people are going to panic. They're going to riot. They're going to get crazy. And they'll just end up rioting even in the streets and, and ruining their own municipalities, which means your power might go out, your water might go out. But um, Wilkerson said that for at least two months, get a supply of water, get a supply of food, get an emergency supply of whatever – uh, medicines or whatever um, things you need for, to maintain your health and for your family. So these are things you probably should do. Um, there's all kinds of places where you can buy um, prepared foods, uh, short term or long term. Um, <clears throat> I've got enough, more than enough for two months. But <clears throat> by all means, don't let everybody know that you have this stuff. They'll be the first ones demanding you share it with them during this time of uh, panic. Um, but yet at the same time, you know, be open to the fact the Lord might say, give it away. You know, yeah. you got to live the kingdom way, not not my way. You know, you don't want to be a survivalist that it also has the guns and ammo to protect it at all costs. It kind of loses the point of everything as being a servant. So, you know, but but it would be wisdom to get a water supply in case the water's out. Um, get a little um, Coleman butane stove or something. As a source of heat, maybe a source for cooking in case the electricity goes out, uh, a light, an LED light, a battery or something. Um, just be prepared to have a minimal amount that will at least keep you warm, keep you cool, whatever you need to be to get through a couple of months, and uh, depending on where you're at. And don't let everybody know because, believe me, some of your nicest friends are going to be um, you know, demanding their right, their privilege, or whatever. Um, I had a situation where we were storing up stuff and it was given to us and I wanted to make sure that all our family was taken care of. And I said, you know, let's, um, what was delivered to me was just insane. I mean, it was a huge pallet of 60, no, 38 
six gallon cases of preserved food. I didn't need all that for myself. I lived in a mobile home park for Pete's sakes. It took up half my garage, half my driveway. <laughs> so I told my wife, I said at the time, you know, I was married and I told my wife, I said, let's, um, add up your family and my family. Let's see what that came to. You know, it came to exactly two months supply, just like mm-hmm. David Wilkerson had stated. But my, uh, wife's side of the family didn't want it because the one lit gal that was kind of like the head, she says, that's weird. We don't want it. Mm-hmm. Two years later, she called up. Do you have any more of that stuff? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, gave it away to my friends. You didn't want it. So, mm-hmm. um, I, and I warned my wife. I said, you know, she's going to be the first one on our porch demanding that we share what we do have. And I said, it's, you know, I'll do it, but don't let them know ahead of time. But I'll, I'll do it because it's just the right thing to do. Family takes care of family, but it's not right. And what she said and did was not right. She had her chance and she um, spoke for the rest of the family and nobody wanted any of it because it was just too weird. Two years later, circumstances and situations change. Now they're now they all want it. You know, mm-hmm. when God gives you the opportunity, you better take it then. It may not come back again. I think the, all all the people that didn't go into the ark when this guy was offering free rides to dry land, they laughed at him. Okay, miss the boat. Don't miss right. the boat, guys. Don't miss the boat. Exactly. <clears throat> exactly. You know, um, God, uh, we, we, we work through faith, of course, but the Lord gave us brains for a reason. Yes. And he gave us free will for a reason, but he gave us brains for a reason so that um, we can have the ability to to uh, to look at things and determine things. Um, and the word discriminate is not an evil word. It means just to be able to tell what's good from what's bad and vice versa. Um, but he doesn't want us to be vegetables. He wants us to use the, the intelligence that he gave us <laughs> to be able to discern and understand the things that he wants for us. And part of that is go, is reading scripture, because if you read scripture, you understand what he wants for us. And then, um, and then, you know, the, there's a spiritual aspect too, but, um, you know, it's, I, you know, when I, I gotta tell you, when I first got saved, I, um, uh, I used to, and I know that this is one of the points where, where Jim and I, you know, think differently. Um, I'm still, a, a believe in a mid-trib rapture and, and you're a pre-tribber, but it doesn't matter because it's going to happen. And when it happens, it's going to be glorious. But, um, but when I first got saved, I, um, I heard about the pre-trib and I, I decided, okay, well, the Lord's coming back tomorrow, so I'm not going to do anything. And I sat around <laughs> first two or three months thinking that it was going to be tomorrow. And, uh, you know, so why should I go out and get a job? You know, if, you know, and it was faulty thinking. And uh, so then, you know, the Lord kind of gave me a dope slap and said, you know, it could happen anytime. It could be now. It could be 25 years from now. Uh, so it's probably a good idea to go out and get a job and start making some money so you could spend for yourself, you know. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, there, we sure, the Lord's going to take care of us and stuff like that. And he does an amazing and, and beautiful job of doing it. But there are times when uh, he's going to tell you, no, you got to do this. You know, I, I've i taken you this far, and I want you to walk a little bit on your own. Kind of like uh, being on training wheels when you're on a bicycle when you're a kid. You know, at first you don't get on the bike. Then your parents buy a tricycle. Well, it's pretty hard to tip over a tricycle. I mean, you can do it, but, <laughs> and, uh, but it's hard to do. And then your parents get you a two-wheel bike, and they put training wheels on it. 
And then you drive around with that, and you start feeling comfortable. Hey, this is easy to do. I'm on training wheels. There's no way I can tip over. But then one day your dad or mom, you know, in the case, the case may be, comes home and says, okay, well, now you're gonna we're going to take the training wheels off. And believe me, if you remember back then, I, I remember quite clearly, actually, it's one of the few things that I remember when I was a child. I was scared out of my wits. You know, there's no way I'm going to be able to balance this thing because yeah. I'm just going to fall over. You know, but uh, and even then, like like the Lord, my my dad was with me and or mom. I can't remember that part of it, but um, as I was starting to go, they were they were holding me to keep me steady and, and and sure so that I didn't fall over. And then when they thought that I felt comfortable riding on my own, they let go of me and bam! Hey, I can do this. This is great. Well, it works the same with the Lord too. You know, a lot of times there are things that He wants us to do on our own, but He's He's faithful and true to walk. You know, walk with us while we're going through it. And then, but he's still there. Just like my parents just didn't go into the house after I started, you know, riding my bike like that with only two wheels. He's, my parents stuck around to make sure that everything was okay. And, you know, my, I know that a lot of times when I went out to ride my bike in the yard, my mother would watch and stuff like that. So, um, it's, you know, it's a pretty good analogy of how he watches out for us, but expects us to be able to, to walk on our own two feet, you know, and, but still be obedient and, and love him and know that he's there with us. So he gave us common sense. So we, we, we got to use that. We do. We really do. And it's, and it helps us to get through life and it helps us to uh, survive. You know, I, Amen. I, I see a lot of um, younger people these days and, you know, and it's not really, well, I don't want to cast dispersion on anybody, but, a lot of people are living with their parents and in their basements. And I understand with the economy these days that that's a necessity in a lot of cases because a lot of jobs that are out there now, you know, you'd have to work two or three jobs as a young person, which means you wouldn't be able to go to college or, or even have a life, you know, in order to be able to make it on your own. So, yes, I do understand that, you know, living with mom and dad's okay, but sooner or later you get out there and, you you know, you meet roommates or something and get out on your own and, and stuff like that. But, um, so, you know, he, the, the younger people, I would just encourage you, you know, that, um, just to keep in prayer, um, and, and to realize that, you know, you have a purpose and he has a purpose for you and that you're going to be expected just as he expects me and Jim and Eric and, and other people that, that are listening to this show to, uh, to get out and, and, uh, Forged new roads. Now, Jim, when you when you moved down to to Roswell, um, why don't you tell us about the calling to go down there? Because that's a big move, you know, leaving Detroit and moving to, all the way down to Roswell. You know, that's not just something people do every day. So, how did you know? How did you know? Maybe this would be a good example for for the younger generation. Uh, how did you know that you were supposed to go? I know for sure you were supposed to be there. Well, <laughs> well, um, when I left. I had only been married for two months mm -hmm. and I told my wife before we got married, I said, look, I'm going to be going to places that nobody else is going to want to go. I even dreamed about being in a desert somewhere. I don't know whether it's, uh, you know, after the apocalypse or what, but, but it's not a, a real inviting looking place that I was at. But I, so, you know, you're going to marry me. This is, you know, I'm going to be doing things and going places that aren't going to be real popular. It's going to get dangerous as it gets closer to, you know, crunch time. It's one thing to, for her to hear it, but it's another thing to live through it. And in the end, that's what, you know, when we kind of went our separate ways, it wasn't anything really to do with us. It was to do that she wasn't 
prepared to handle some of the death threats and the other things. Um, so, I mean, we're still good friends. I, I still love her. Um, and, uh, and we're good friends. And I think that's the important part. Um, but anyways, as long as I, I didn't mean to sidetrack from that, but, but <clears throat> so only being two, married two months, she, um, moved into my house. I already had a, uh, a nice place. And, uh, with that little bit of warning, that's all was said. I went down to Roswell for the first Ancient of Days conference in 2003. I had gone there a year before and just kind of um, helped out down there a little bit. A uh, guy named Guy Malone, he's the one that ended up putting the Ancient of Days conference together. And uh, I saw the need for me to be down there. And then he even told me that he was thinking about leaving. He had run its course and he was wanting to go to either Hollywood or Nevada. Um, and uh, so we just let it go at that. Well, then a year later, I had a guy come up to me and say, I got a word from the Lord from you. And this is one of the other speakers that was at the first, uh, you know, thing. And uh, when this guy come up to me, he says, no, you already know this. But I guess I'm telling you just so that you can have it confirmed to you that um, God has called you to come down here and to live here. And I just wanted to pass that on to you. I said, okay, well, uh, you know, I got to thinking, okay, Lord, if that's it, then you tell my wife because, um, you know, I don't, I don't see this happening anytime soon, especially I own a mobile home, a double wide. It was beautiful, but it was uh, made in 1975. It was, it was one of the ones that though that was the highest standard, uh, it was built better than even houses were. That was, um, actually made in Michigan, a Marlette. So it was, it was better than a housing code, um, quality mobile home, but still it was 1974. I mean, who's going to get cash for that? And I had to get cash. The only way I could, you know, do it. I couldn't do it on a, um, on anything else. So who's going to have $25,000 cash to buy a mobile home? And cause that's what the going price was. And that's what I wanted for it. So <clears throat> I figured, well, this is going to take a long time that, you know, it'll be in his time, but it's not, I don't have to worry about it too long. It won't take right away. So I, uh, was done. I was fully realizing though, that it was important for me to go, but I just didn't see how God was going to do it anytime quick. So I went back home and I said, hon, I sit down. I got something to tell you. You know what she said? Yeah, you do, because I told you the story. Mm -hmm. She says, I know, we're moving to Roswell, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, how'd you know that? And she says, I knew it before you even left. Wow. I know this was, I knew this was where we were going. That's amazing. I said, well, you could have told me. I didn't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I mean, wow, that was the biggest thing. So then, you know what? We prayed, and you know what the Lord told us to do? What? Start packing. Wow. But, Lord, I haven't, I haven't even put a for sale sign out. What do you mean start packing? Look at this house. It's so old. Who's going to want it? I mean, it had marble, Italian marble floors. I mean, this thing, it used to be the manager's home. So it has everything super nice. And it was a big double wide, but it was long and wide. And you don't see it. Most of the double wides would be shorter. Mine was huge. I could fit. 50 people in my living room, dining room comfortably, and we could watch. We used to have movie night <clears throat> on Fridays. Um, so, so anyways, I'm going, you know, how is this going to happen? And the Lord just said, 
just start packing as if you're ready to go. Just start packing. So, you know, we, we did. We started boxing everything. That's where I realized, oh, my gosh, you really are a hoarder. You're going to take all, you know, I, magazines, just a lifetime, a collection of historical stuff because I'm a history nut. So right, right about the time when we had almost everything packed, I had a, I had a sign out a realtor that was going to, you know, do this job for me. And, and I realized that it was going to cost me way more paying her, her percentage. I thought, you know what, cutting out the middleman, that's it. I'll just sell it by owner. And uh, <clears throat> then all of a sudden the park manager wanted to get the big house and be the big house on the block. There was nothing else the size of my house and nothing is nice. So he tried to drive a bargain with me and, and uh, I was firm on my, you know, on my price and he paid it $24,000 cash. Wow. And as soon as I was all packed, ready to go, I had the money in the bank. Oh my gosh, we're moving. And it took two months, two months. And I'm moving down to Roswell, not knowing a person, not knowing, you know, a job or anything, but I knew one thing I was supposed to be down there. Now, what the driving force of that was is until then, I had all of this stuff through fasting and praying that the Lord had told me that I wrote my book on. Um, and at that time, in the involvement of my book, it was still in the um, cookbook style, which is a spiral bound, you know, because I made my own, printed my own and, and everything. And back then you could do it. Now they block everything so that and that would be almost impossible to do. But um the ink costs more than doggone, you know, printer that you printed on. Back then, you could buy a whole vat and run the whole thing just out of, you know, it was pretty cool what you used to be able to do. That's the way the companies always find out how to make you more dependent on them and their products and, and alone. And they figured that out and that wasn't available anymore. But, but, um, it was so it, it, it just, it, everything just kind of fell in place. Now, my wife left a career job. I mean, she was, she had a job that you want to just go ahead and retire out of because, you know, for, for uh, the gal had uh, a GED and that's all. And yet she was a dietary supervisor for a 250, um, and it was upper middle class uh, convalescent home or halfway. I don't know what you would call them, a retirement home, but a real, but a nice one, really nice. And she, was good at and learned how to order and supply food on a nutritional diet, calorie, you know, everything and do it for 200 and some 50 people and make the food delicious. She was a wow. casserole queen. Um, she gave that job up and she had preference, uh, respect from the people there and everything. And, and, uh, she gave it up to come and, and start over again down there with me. And uh, together we delivered the newspaper, um, she got the job first as a dietary nutrition for this church and for their, uh, you know, for several multifunctional things that they had going on it was a school. Uh, and so she took care of all the school lunches and everything for the school and for the church part and for the, um, uh, for the daycare nursery part. So she was a little bit of everything. Then she got a job with one of the major, um, convalescence homes that, um, Lieutenant William Hawk lived in. Lieutenant William Hawk was the liaison officer that informed the Roswell Daily Record that they had captured or found the remains of a crashed flying saucer in 1947 in Roswell. 
he was still alive. We became good friends. Um, I got to pick his brain. Now he would slip in and out of dementia, but he was, I was there for the last years of his life and what an awesome experience that was. I mean, it was so much. Dave, I learned more from being at the hub of everything UFO and alien in Roswell. It was better than a four year education. I made contacts, connections. God has given me the uh, spirit of discernment. I got to talk to at that time, 2003, at that time, everybody that was who, who in the secular or Christian investigation of UFOs, I got to meet them all. I got to see discernment, whether they're real or whether they weren't, whether they were a government operative and half a mutual UFO network is government operatives. Isn't that the truth? And our favorite woman, of course, is uh, one that you see on television all the time, Linda Moulton Howe. Um, oh, boy, what a work. She covers, She has covered up some major stuff. And uh, Definitely you, a shill, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> and other people that are that check out to be you know pretty good. And then the one guy I don't think he's alive anymore, but I haven't been back to Roswell to find out. That was the the mortician. Do you remember his name? No, I don't. Uh-uh. He um, there was something that bothered him. He was very bothered because he was not able to share everything that he wanted to, I think, or something. I may never know now, but and there were others. What's the one that claimed to jump off the ship uh, of the USS Eldridge right. on uh, Philadelphia Experiment? $3 bill, man, just a total disinformant. And I know that just from my own military background and everything. So, I mean, there was a lot, there was a lot going on down there. And this is where I first got involved with you working in uh, alien abduction and providing counseling and deliverance from, from all of that. We got to meet everybody you ever watched on television, except for uh, Giorgio bad hair day guy. Um, he was Johnny come lately. He came way after we were already, you know, gone out of Roswell, but, uh, the connections of people, the um, things that went down there, this was the cutting edge where the real spiritual battles were. Until then, this was just good ideas that a guy um, doing his best to get out on firsthand experiences. I did some local shows and everything, but once I got in Roswell, all of a sudden I'm traveling all over the country, going to every major um, uh, UFO thing as a vendor. Um, and, eventually getting my own store right across the street from the International UFO Museum and all of a sudden divine appointments every week. I mean, I'm on the cutting edge of, of um, the spiritual warfare for lives. And all of a sudden, everything God ever gave me, I see how much fruit it's bringing forth. I'm leading people to Christ. I'm bringing them back from, of all things, explaining what a caveman really was, what really happened in the Bible, explaining time travel is real. It's in the Bible here. Let me show you, walk you through it. Um, the two most, uh, the, the craziest one was when those two Jews from um, Hayafa, Israel, came over and our, to my shop, and they're looking at all the Nazi stuff and everything. And I thought they were going to ask me something about Hitler or the paperclip connections and stuff like that. And he turns around and he says, okay, tell me why Jesus was my Messiah. Wow. And I kind of chuckled. And I said, what, you got all day? He says, actually, yes, we do. I said, you, are you, you're, you're serious? No. Why was Jesus our Messiah? I said, you guys, really? Okay, sit down. Come here. 
and I, I walked them through all the uh, prophetic scriptures. Mm-hmm. And then he looked at me, and this is only the Holy Spirit could answer this, and he did, and it was spontaneous. He looked at my eyes, and he told me, he says, you mean to tell me that all of my relatives that have died and they didn't believe in Jesus went to hell? My God, how do you answer someone a question like that? That's, you know. That's a make or break moment, yeah. I know it. And how do you, so what do you say? And I'm, I'm sitting there praying in the spirit under my breath going, oh, God, help me. What what do I tell this man? And then boom, I, I mean, it was like the Lord just took over. I looked right dead in his eyes and I said, look, I said, I don't know and I can't tell you where any of your relatives are or aren't. Maybe at the last minute they called upon the right name. I don't know. But you know what? What's done is done. That can't be changed. I said, but I know. I know you guys are convinced. I know you believe. You know that Jesus Christ is your Messiah. You know this, don't you? And they both nodded their heads. And I said, okay. You can't look back. You can't change what's already happened. But do you realize, because of what you know, that every one of your relatives right now that are alive, their future, their eternal condition depends on what you tell them. Right. You have, you have felt like you were harassed or bothered all your life because people would come up to you and tell you that Jesus was your Messiah, and they try to tell you why and how and, and love on you, but you saw it as a form of harassment, right? He says, yeah, you're right. I said, that was God reaching out to you to let you know that Jesus was your Messiah. He has been trying to get your attention all your life, and now you finally have made all the connections. This is your day of visitation. This is your time. You have to take what you know and tell them, because you are the only thing that's keeping them from going to hell. The knowledge you have, you need to share with them. Regardless of what happens, you need to tell them that and let them know. I said, because you know now, you know that Jesus was your Messiah. So I told him a bunch of things. You can, here's some of the things that you can expect, and they're going to happen sometime in your lifetime. I want you to be aware that everything I'm telling you is going to happen. And that'll motivate you, I hope, to do what you need to do. Go back to Israel and let them know that Jesus is Messiah and your Lord and your creator. And they left. And so, you know, they're going back to Hiapa, Israel. Who knows what the heck the, the ramifications, the, the rippling effect will be on that. Right. Um, that would have never happened anywhere else on the planet. I was meant to be in Roswell at that time in that place because I was also there when, when uh, William Hawk died and his daughter took over the museum. What happened? She almost killed the whole – I mean, on one hand, it was good because all of a sudden she almost single-handedly killed all of the annual celebrations and the holidays on every 4th of July – while everybody else is celebrating the independence of our country, we're celebrating the Roswell crash, and people are coming literally from all over the world to the mecca of UFOs and aliens there. Now, when William Hawk ran the uh, restaurant, when William Hawk ran the museum, all views and aspects were allowed in the museum. There was no pressure to believe in one particular thing. So paperclip Nazis connections, that was in there. Christian views were very small at the time, but there were a few books. My book, others were allowed to be there. We weren't banned. We were allowed to be there, and we were allowed to be able to to voice our perspective. Mutual UFO used to come and have their meetings there. Um, 
they all work together, uh, you know, the different UFO organizations to make the uh, celebration that holiday, uh, you know, a big success. Well, when she moved in there, she's on the ancient aliens religion trip. Right. They're friendly. They're nice. They're here to enlighten us and bring us into a broader uh, um, community. So everything else out, get out of here. Now everything is conditioned that we've been seated by aliens. You know, there are, there are creators and they're coming back to introduce us into a bigger, that's the whole thing. It's a whole brainwashing process. That's what changed, and it almost killed everything. But it almost it it threw everything out too. It was just like, oh man, this has got to die. And it almost did, and I was almost you know wished it would have because um, there was nothing good that was coming out of it. Right. Um, right. And yet right. that's I was there to provide the alternative. So you know here I had this just uh, on top of my place I had this big Nazi UFO. And then on the sides, I had the Shema in Hebrew, and I had uh, Jesus Christ, Lord of Lord, King of Kings in, in Greek. So it looked like alien writing. But to a Jew, he's walking, looking across the street, and here's this Nazi UFO. Here's the Shema in Hebrew. Oh, we got to go over here, and this is about, this is crazy. So I had probably every Jew that ever came through there came in there, and I was able to share Jesus with them. There was another two couple that came leaving my place, knowing that Jesus was Lord. They were from Tel Aviv. God knows how much of a ripple effect that has had. I needed to be there at that right time in that right place. I was there for only four years, but that four years was better than an eight-year uh, degree. Sat at roundtable discussions with PhDs when they found out that I had uh, uh, an associate's degree in welding engineering and a, um, by a year and a half of Bible college. <laughs> they weren't too crazy about that, but I noticed that whenever they had uh, a roundtable discussions and they were going to have some secular heavyweights there, they brought me in on it. Because while they're busy quoting theologians and everyone else, I was quoting the Bible and just keeping it simple. Right. And, you know, when the Bible can interpret itself, that's, you don't need to go any further. So I'm kind of like that. In, um, the guy that's, you know, that dribbles on himself and is a real slob jerk. He's not really one of you, but he's really big and huge and bad in a fight. So you bring him along when you need him, but otherwise just go stay away from us. So that's what they kept doing with me. So I knew, you know, God's anointing was upon me. That's all I needed. Uh, you know, um, at one time I had in my life, I was ashamed of my blue collar background and ways, but now I, I'm thankful for it because I have a niche and I have a place. And that's why I'm in the hood today, working, serving, ministering and sharing this message because no one else is. You don't sell books and tapes to the homeless. But you can give them Jesus. You can give them hope. And they need to, there's a day and a time when the coming cosmic Christ is going to be no, needed to known by everybody and anybody. And right. nobody's doing good. Well, you know what? That's, I'm the gap filler. That's where I want to be. I want to be where no one else is to do what no one else is willing to do. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I went to Roswell. Yeah. I'm happy I did. Yeah, I am too. Never would have met you otherwise. Oh, man. But, and, you know, and, and here we can get huggy, huggy and everything. Brother, I couldn't imagine my life without you. Yeah, same here, man. We've been, you, we've been together through the thick and thin of it, man. And I think we've iron sharp the diamond. And now we got uh, the joy of being able to grab one of our younger brothers, Eric, and he can enjoy the same kind of rejection and laughing. And <laughs> Yeah, it's great. Wonderful. <laughs> Huzzah. <laughs> well, Eric, you're going to have to start thinking of some of the testimonies, how you can weave it into your own personal life. But, you know, just coming into this uh, then and now, 
you know, because it's been how long? How many years now has it been? It's been over ten years, hasn't it? That you and I since it's uh, since '09, I think. Yeah, yeah. So that's yep, eleven years, man. Yep. Wow, time flies. It does. Man, oh man. Um, I don't know. You guys have looked up at your clocks, but it's oh my gosh, uh, it's pumpkin time. Yeah. 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 That's good though. We (laughs) we we had like a nonstop discussion. It was all, I mean, we do all the time, but you know, this has been really neat because we, we talked about, uh, what's going on. We didn't even uh, attempt to start uh, talking about what's going on in the Senate. Uh, but maybe that, that'll uh, come to a head and we'll be able to talk about it next week because, uh, it sure looks like, uh, uh, there, the few people that have spoken, um, I was listening to, oh, what was his name? Dershowitz today. Mm hmm. And for somebody that's in their 80s, because I think he's in his 80s, um, I hope that my mind can be that sharp when I'm in my 80s. Um, even in the 70s, if he's in his 70s. But um, what a brilliant mind, you know. And and just to watch these guys making a mockery out of what's been what they've been tasked to to uh, to, to adjudicate over. You know, yeah, and uh, and all the all the lies and innuendos that they're they're so easily dispelling. You know, it's almost it's almost embarrassing. You almost feel sorry for 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 the the leftists. You know, I'm not even going to say Democrats because I know some Democrats that are nice people, but um, no, these are hardcore communist leftists, and um, just to to uh, to see their their um, ideology and their all the stuff that they're doing just going right down the drain um they had three days to present and i think in the first uh three hours uh, everything that they had presented was basically uh, shown to be uh garbage and uh we'll, we'll see what comes out of it i i know we, we all know what's going to come out of it but uh so maybe we can talk about that next week because i think it is important i think that it's the beginning of uh a worldwide attempt that uh, um, I think, well, Israel's prime minister is going through it too at the same time, unfortunately, um, almost with the same, very same tactics that are being presented against uh, President Trump. So I think this is going to be a model um, for for um, uh, people that are God, that God is using around the world uh, in leadership uh, that are being attacked. I think this is going to be a model of how to dispel all the all the garbage and, and throw it out uh, you know into the trash and and take it out to the street so that the garbage man can throw it away but um, uh, this is going to set a precedence I think that's going to light fires around the world so um, we'll see what happens I right, um, just want to say thank you uh, by the way to uh, again to uh, a person named aw uh, then I didn't want to use their name but uh, they did. Uh, they w- they went out of their way to tell you, Jim, that uh, that they've watched all your videos and they love it. And, yeah. Uh, and that uh, they were <laughs> they're cheering you on, preach it, brother. And uh, <laughs> and every encounter is another opportunity to be a witness. Uh, so thank you, AW, for being here. Really appreciate you. And it looks like our um, our friend who's here here every week, uh, Windsong. Um, she's saying thank you and uh, 
So that's that's really neat. So we had two people oh. in the chat room tonight. So we have what? I was going to – I forgot to mention, Dave, if you're listening to us out there, God bless you, man, for your humility, for your um, – uh, Dave wanted uh, – and I didn't get a chance to tell you guys this. Dave wanted to apologize to all three of us. He says he admires all three of us. He respects us. He's a young millennial. I figured that much. Yeah. And our, so our whole misunderstanding <clears throat> is based on a, gen, uh, a generation gap. And okay. he he was tr really, truly broken. And he wants to come on just so he can um, explain himself. And I said, no. I said, no, you don't. I, I, I said, your humility and willingness to write me this letter, and I'll read it to you guys, but I didn't get permission from him, so I don't want to read it on air. Right. But uh, it shows sincerity. It shows real love and respect. And it just shows that we have a lack of communication between generations, and it's something that we all we're going to have to work on to uh, right. better. But right. he certainly did not mean or intend to be accusatory, or he's just being, you know, the he he's a victim of um, the current protocols and procedures for his generation through these public uh, social, you know things like Facebook and Twitter and all this other stuff and all of the, and, and even uh, smartphones and the, the protocol and procedures of that, which are actually contrary to what the word of God says. But right. if you've never been brought up in that, you don't have that foundation. And then to integrate into everything that's common to you, he's only doing what, what he, he knows, knows to do. Yes. Yeah, so, exactly. so that's why I said, bro, we forgive you. You don't have to explain don't yourself. it, Dave. Yeah, don't date, man. We love you, and we're we're just happy that you had the humility to ex try to express yourself. We accept it, and we don't want you to have to explain. You don't have to explain anything, man. Yeah, hugs. Right. We're hugging you right now. You know, we loving you. We're we're honored that you watch us every week, and so I know you're going to hear this. Um, we're good, man. Yeah, <clears throat> definitely, all forgiven. So I just I wanted to throw that in. I thought that was nice. I we had unfortunately an old friend that goes all the way back to our um, Pale Talk chat room. Um, she suddenly unfriended me and and pulled the plug on the donations that she was uh, giving my the ministry. Um, we know her. I'll tell you later who she is, but we know her. She's kind of a reactionary anyway. She probably heard us talking and you know got outraged by it. And hopefully, if you are hearing this, that you'll realize that. You know, we understand. I understand. I was speaking um, a little angrily, but it was one of those things where I was angry and sin not. I didn't sin. You know, we um, were hoping that our suspicions were correct, and it was, and so no harm done. Everything's cool. Yeah. So you didn't have to leave us. We, because we, we actually, all three of us, honor and respect you. You were a active, a very active part, a good part of our chat room all its life that we were there. You were there right from the beginning almost. So I, we're going to miss you. Um, I hope you come back. Definitely. And maybe you will in time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, those so, things yeah. haven't been said. We, uh, you're, I can imagine that you're probably turning orange. And, Actually, uh, I've got to make a phone call to Rodney Matson, who is about my age. He says, you know, I go to bed early and everything, but he would love to be on our show next week. This guy is probably uh, one of those hidden gems. He's been doing research 
like we have since before I even got saved. Wow. Cool. And he has, he has been watching the secret space program ever since, uh, he ever got wind of it. So it's been a better part of maybe 20 years. Wow. That's amazing. Oh, he's, he's a man. He's got a lot of information. What I really like about him, though, he's got the heart to understand the deeper spiritual implications of everything. Oh, and, cool. uh, yeah, he'll be a, a very interesting guest uh, next week. This is what I want to do is to, to bring more of the people that are maybe lesser known that have right. a lot of important things to say. Mm-hmm. So you and, heard it, uh, folks. February, uh, what is it, the 3rd? First, yeah, it'll be February 3rd. Um, we'll have this special guest on. Um, he's agreed to come on, right? So when I'm saying yeah, we're going to have Rod, okay. Rodney Matson. Okay. Rodney M-A-T-S-O-N. He's on Facebook. You can look him up. Um, so, yeah, he's going to be with us next week. Okay. I'll make a note of it, and then we can advertise it. Okay. So, folks, you heard it. We're going to have Rodney Matson on next week and talk about the new – actually, not the new, but the expanded yeah, space see, program. See. Yep. And, yeah. Uh, space Force. That's right. And, uh, space program. Space program. We're going to be talking about the elite space program. The fact that there's probably colonies already on Mars, on Io, on Titan, on the moon. Oh, cool. And That's the cool. sun. I, some recent discoveries. You guys, oh, you might want to look at this one too. I've been, this is some of the recent research I've been looking at that, that the sun actually has an atmosphere that is hot, but we're finding out that inside it's plasma energy, which is cold. Huh. And it serves it. It serves as a conduit or a hub in black hole kind of technologies. To if you get past that, then you can be going intergalactically, and that's where we got most of our understandings of, of wormhole wormhole activities. That's how we were able to begin or, and tweak out um, CERN. And huh. that's why we have only shuttlecraft and not you know spaceships going back to. Uh, the moon or anything, right? Because we don't need them. Huh. Cool. Okay, yeah. folks, you heard it. So be here next week if you want to hear something, some real interesting stuff. And um, we will uh, end that or the program today, and just say thank you for being such a wonderful audience, and um, thank you for those who came onto the chat room, uh, folks. We do have a chat room, and uh, if you're here live, uh, uh, participate in it. Okay. Ask questions and stuff like that. That's what we're here for. So that being said, uh, I'll say good night to Jim and to Eric and then to the audience. And uh, uh, may everybody have a blessed week uh, coming up and a good weekend, of course. And uh, we shall see you, uh, let's see, 6.30 Pacific, 9.30 Eastern, and uh, 8.30 Eric's time, I do believe. And uh, be blessed, everybody, in Jesus' name. God bless everybody. God bless.